Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to transform your whole life, all your life. We hope that you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Good morning, Heart Church. So good to see you. Good morning down in the overflow. So great to have you here. Good morning to South Campus looking in. I'm so excited to have the opportunity of coming to speak to you today about order in your mental world. If you're joining us today for the first time, we've been on a little bit of a journey. Our theme um, for the year as a church is that uh, if God opens the door, no man can close it. And um, we have these doors on the wall to prove that. And uh, as part of rolling that out, um, we talked about the fact that some of our open doors are dependent upon what happens behind closed doors. God is interested in what goes on behind the closed doors of our lives. And we've been looking at foundations, uh, we're looking at order, and then we're gonna look at rhythm. Uh, those things either have been, are, or will be available on podcast. So today we are looking uh, at order in your mental world, which is kind of a continuance of last week's message where we were looking at order in the area of your emotions. But I felt that this area was so important that it needed a week all of its own. Um, you know, I come this morning not as an expert, but as a, a fellow pilgrim. Um, but I, I do want you to understand, and I believe this 100%, that this message with a lot of hard work by the grace of God can revolutionize your life. This message with a lot of hard work by the grace of God can revolutionize your life. Mental health is a huge issue in the world today. And this message, I believe, can help you uh, maintain your mental health and, and bring order to your mental world. And, and I think we need to understand that our mental health is something that needs to be maintained. Because given the right set of circumstances, no matter how strong you think you are, no matter how sorted you think you are, no matter how close to Jesus you think you are, Given the right set of circumstances, every single one of us in this room is vulnerable in this area. And so I think it's an important thing to look at. We're not just going to talk about it. I'm hoping to equip you. That's my goal today, to equip you with some things that will help you manage this area of your Life. So we're going to kick it off and I'm going to point you uh, in the direction of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, reading from verse 13. The Bible says this, that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say 
Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Now I'm going to point you uh, to the same moment, but a little bit later on. So it's still Matthew 16, reading from verse 21. It says this, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. You, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, I want to just point out a couple of things. And and we aren't going to be spending time here particularly, but I want to point out a couple of things. The first one being that we we read in the first part Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So Peter had a thought that was planted there by God. It wasn't his own thought. It wasn't revealed by flesh and blood. The thought was planted by God. In the second bit, we read that, You know, he was Mr. Revelation two minutes ago, but now, verse 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. So here we have, same guy. In one moment, he had a thought that was planted by God. A few moments later, he had a thought that was planted by Satan. And he had his own thoughts mixed in there. The reason I'm saying all this is so that we understand not all our thoughts are our own. Not all our thoughts are our own. You might be thinking it, but it might not be your thought. I want to say, I think that right there for somebody I've preached because some of you, you, you've been beating yourself up because you thought your thoughts were you. But one of the things we learn here is that there are, there are several sources to our thoughts. And we have to decide the source of the thought. And is this a thought I should be listening to? Is this a thought I should be listening to? If the thoughts you are having are wanted, and welcome. Or let me say it the other way around. If the thoughts you are having are not wanted or welcome, or if these thoughts do not match what the Word of God says about you, then these thoughts are not your thoughts. And these thoughts need to be managed. 
So let me take it into, if some of you have maybe familiarised yourself with some of the Bible in 2 Corinthians 10, I think you might recognise some of these words. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So right there, we are understanding that we're going to be having some thoughts that are not necessarily thoughts we should be having. There are some thoughts that we need to take captive and we need to make those thoughts obedient to Christ. Thoughts need to be managed and they need to be made obedient. When we were in South Africa, we lived as a family in South Africa for for 10 years and we had a dog. And the dog was called Oscar. We have a picture of Oscar. There he is. It's blurred because he just didn't stay still for any second. We've got a couple of pictures. You want to flash them up. Now, Oscar was a lovely dog. A little bit naughty, but a lovely dog. And, uh, you know, we had a lawn. A nice lawn. Oscar did not care about our lawn. Oscar did not care about our grass. He ran around uh, pulling up the grass with his big hefty feet. My wife, my wife Lynette, beautiful Lynette, she wanted a lawn. She wanted a nice lawn. She felt that she had worked hard. She'd lived long enough. She felt that in life, it wasn't much to ask if she had a nice lawn. I, in order to remove this particular area of stress from her life, suggested we dig up the lawn and we pave it over. My wife says, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) So I had to come up with something. Now, I understood that I couldn't change the nature of the dog. You understand? I can't change the nature of the dog, but I can manage the dog. So we had another little area uh, and we decided, you know, that was plenty of room for him to, to uh, walk around with, to, to run around in. And so we, we, we built a fence. We fenced off that area of the garden and now Oscar was allowed to run around. We couldn't manage his nature. We could manage him because we put the dog behind the fence. And... Because we'd managed the dog, we also ended up with a nice lawn. Happy wife, happy life. (laughs) Like Oscar, if our thoughts are allowed to run wild in the gardens of our mind, doing whatever they want to do, they will ruin the things that we love. We can't change the nature of the dog, but we can put the dog behind.
behind the fence. Turn to someone near you and say, put the dog behind the fence. Now, I want to I point out something else in that scripture because, of course, Paul says, he says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to the bringing down of strongholds. And that is great. Sure, we're not using worldly weapons to deal with these issues. However, I want to point out to you today that we do need to fight. We may, we may not fight with worldly weapons, but we, this is an area that we still need to fight. There is a war going on for your mind. And that war, I believe, has been going on since you came into the world. There's been a war for your mind because as we looked at last week, what is going on in my mind, what is going on in my emotions, what is going on in my soul has a massive influence on the way I live my life. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, guard your, heart, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. That's, it's like a sail. It's like when, when, when you put up that sail, when, when, when the, the wind of, of, of what's blowing through your soul comes, it will determine the course that you take. And as I said last week, that's why some of us get frustrated because we're praying and we're reading our Bible and we're going to church and we're going to life group and we're doing the things that we believe we should do to have a good life. But if this area of our life is is out of order, the area of our emotions and our, the world of our mind and our thinking, we will be knocked off course. And you will end up frustrated because you can't understand why you're doing everything that you should do and it's still going wrong. We've got to deal with our heart. You say, well, you talk, when the Bible talks about heart, it's talking about the inner you. It's talking about your soul. It's talking about your mind, knowledge, thinking, reflection, memory. That is talking about who you essentially are. So what goes on there seriously influences what I do and where I go. And one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this message is because this is not just theory for me. This is the way I've lived my life. In order to get from where I was to where I am, in order to get from where I am to where I'm going, these are principles that I've had to apply over and over again in my life. I was not brought up in a Christian family. I was brought up in a family that was very negative in, in its thinking, very negative uh, in, in, in the way it spoke, very critical. And so the effect that that had on me as a person was that my, if you like, natural inclination was to be a negative person, was to be hypercritical of myself and other situations. And, and it, it crippled, I was crippled by what I thought of myself. I was crippled by what I thought other people thought of me. 
And it's taken years to unravel myself with the help of God from some of that thinking. And, and, and that, but I can tell you that God does help and He does help you to, to get to where you need to get to. There have been times before I was a Christian, there have been times since I've been a Christian, there have been times since I've been a minister where I've had to deal with my heart. I've had to renew my mind. This is not just something that is done once and it's over with and hallelujah, you get that badge and you just get on with the rest of your life. Life has a habit of throwing stuff at you and, and you need to manage those circumstances. You need to manage you in the circumstances even when you can't manage the circumstances, you can manage you. You can manage the way you think. You can manage, you can manage the way your mind works. And, and this is important because some of us, we might say, well, you know what? This is, this is just me. It's just, it's just the way I am. You know, that's just my personality. I'm like it. My parents were like it. Their parents were like it. It's just me. But who I am is who God says I am. Because let me tell you, when at the beginning of the 90s, when I first started leading meetings, we were in the Albert Hall down the road and I'd been, we'd been, um, in, in, we'd been in Africa again for a few months. This was in Burkina Faso and we came back and I was put into leading meetings and, and I was like, I was so full of self-doubt and fear. I was sat on the back stairs of the Albert Hall Hall saying, to, with nobody else was there, but I was saying to myself, I can't do it. It's too much. I can't do it. I'm no good at this. I'm no good at this. I can't do it. And that was what was going round and round and round in my mind. And I was saying, oh God, let this cup pass from me. Let somebody else do it. This is not me. I'll do something else. Let somebody else do that. And let me tell you, all the evidence pointed to the fact that that is what I was like. But that, that evidence was a lie. Because God, God did not allow the cup to be taken away because I needed to grow. I needed to change. I needed to change the things that I said to myself. See, the thoughts I give most attention to are the thoughts that become stronger with the passing of time. The thoughts I give most attention to are the thoughts that will become stronger with the passing of time. Now I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to give you a few pictures to help you so you can go away from here and, 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 and action some of these things in your life. So I've got a, I've got a picture here of a wheat field that I wanna, I wanna pick up. Because this is like just really a really, really simple level, just like a really, really simple level. But I'm just hoping it gives you a bit of a picture to help you understand. We've got here like a wheat field and we can see some pathways that are, have been made in the wheat field because those, someone's walked on those pathways. The more you walk on those pathways, the more established the paths become. So if you can think of this wheat field as your brain 
and, and, and you walk certain paths, then, then the more you walk along those paths, the more established the pathways become. Things that used to grow there won't grow anywhere anymore because you just keep walking the same path. Now, honestly, these paths can work for us and they can work against us. So, you know, the, the, the fact is that, that, you know, most of you haven't, you, you might have thought about what you were wearing, but you didn't have to think down. You, you think about how you got dressed. You know, when you were little, you know, your mum and dad had to tell you, put that on, put that on first. Put that on. You had to break it down for you, but hopefully, hopefully no one had to do that for you today. You know, you just got dressed. You decided what you were going to wear and you got dressed. So, you know, you weren't thinking about it in that kind of detail. Why? Because you've, you, that's a path where you've walked many times. So you don't have to think about it. It's kind of handed over to your subconscious. If you have learned how to drive, in the process of learning to drive, you're thinking, oh, select second gear, oh, clutch in, uh, need third gear. It's like, every, you know, I, when I was learning to drive, I used to hate coming up to uh, traffic lights or, or roundabouts because like, you'd have to do everything quickly. It was like, it was like ah, too much. But I could honestly say I drove in this morning. I wasn't thinking any of those things. Because why? I've done it so often. It's been, it's a path that has been well established. Thank you, Jesse. See, you can be encouraging. And, and you pass it on to your subconscious. That means that most of us can drive without really thinking. And you know, the way some people drive, you believe it. Um, so that's, that's something that can really work for you. But then there's some other stuff that instead of it working for us, it works against us. Let's say if I'm still in traffic and now there's a buildup of traffic and I'm annoyed and, and people are, you know, trying to cut in, cut in on you and you're getting all wound up about it and it's just annoying being in this buildup of traffic and, and it's getting on your nerves. And then, you know, the next time you're in traffic, you say, oh no, I need to get home. This is ridiculous. I can't stand being stuck, on traf- stuck in traffic. I can't stand being stuck in traffic. And then eventually you, you, you're, in, you're in traffic and with any buildup, you're just annoyed. You can't even remember why you're annoyed or how you got annoyed. You're just annoyed because you've trained yourself to be annoyed because it's a pathway you've walked so many times. It can be true. It can be true whether you're thinking anxious thoughts. It can be true whether you're thinking depressing thoughts. It can think whether you are thinking thoughts that rob you of your confidence. That's why some of us, we can't take a, com- we can't take a compliment. We can't take a compliment because our inner dialogue, my inner dialogue, the things that I say to me says, I'm not that. I don't look good. I can't look good. I can't. My inner dialogue contradicts what is being said and I believe my inner dialogue because I believe me. I believe me. But thanks be to God, I'm not stuck here. There is, there, is, there, there, there is power made available to us that takes us out of this place. I don't have to accept this set of circumstances so so. There is, I'm in a situation that can change, but it's not just going to be a quick prayer and a click of the fingers. 
There's, there's, there's going to be, you're going to have to put some work in and then by the grace of God, you're going to be able to come out the other side of it. I'm going to give you some help in that in just a moment. So in other words, to change, to change the behaviour, to change this reaction, I've got to create another pathway. I've got to deviate from the pathway I've created and create another pathway. Just uh, put that picture up for me of the wheat field again. You can see there's another pathway coming in. I've got to deviate from the path and I've got to create another pathway. Now, that sounds easy when you're preaching. It's actually really hard because we like to stick to what we know. We like to stick to what is familiar. We stick to what we do. The other week, about a couple of weeks ago, my wife said, I'm dropping off my car for the service. Uh, it's on the way to church, uh, just pick me up. I, I can't even tell you how much I had to concentrate because I was on this familiar route. I was having to pick her up from a road that I normally just drove by. And that, that was my habit. Drive. So I'm like thinking, I must pick her up, I must pick her up, I mustn't forget, I mustn't forget, I mustn't forget. I was like practically telling myself that all the journey so that I didn't drive past the road. It would have been a terrible thing to get to church and think, I'm sure I was supposed to do something. But I knew I was capable by because I'm just used to driving past that road. So I, I, had to, I had to force into my brain as it were another pathway that said, stop and pick up your wife because happy wife, happy life. <laughs> so we need to understand that there is behaviour that is changeable, but we're gonna have to do some work at changing it. You know, it, it, there are all kinds of, of behaviour that can cause a negative reaction. You know, we talk about being in traffic, getting you angry. Maybe when I'm stressed, I go to the fridge. Maybe when I make a mistake, I beat myself up. And, and that is, and I just do it. You know, I just, I just run through that stuff. You know, people can say, people can say 10 nice things and one person says one bad thing and you forget the 10 nice things and you walk away with the one bad thing. And that's when you and, you, and you beat yourself up over that. That is behaviour that can change. Now in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter five, we read of a woman who the Bible tells us had had a, a flow of blood for 12 years. Verse 26, and she'd endured much, much suffering under the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, instead grew worse. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus. And she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment, for she kept saying, Matthew said it also adds the word to herself, but for she kept saying to herself, if I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. And of course, she was healed. She kept saying to herself, she kept saying to herself. See, her internal dialogue had to, she, she was, it was her way of saying, don't drive past the road, don't drive past the road, don't drive past the road. It was her inter internal dialogue, she kept saying to herself, if I can just touch 
the hem of his garment. And maybe she kept having to say this to herself because in her mind, she knew she'd spent all her money on trying to get well and she wasn't well. She knew she'd been to the doctors, the top physicians in the land. They said, you're not gonna get well. She knew that she was considered unclean. She knew she'd got no right to touch a rabbi. She knew that everything naturally in the circumstances was working against her and just history itself, 12 long years, she'd just say, give up, forget it, stuff it. It's just just the way I am. I'm just going to die. But there was something in her. She heard The report, she heard a report. She heard that Jesus was doing some stuff and instead of counting herself out, she counted herself in. She said, "Mm, maybe, maybe if Jesus can do that for other people, just maybe Jesus can do that for me. Maybe, maybe I know what the doctors say. I know I've got no money left. I know that I'm I'm, I'm an outcast, but just maybe Jesus can change my life. And she kept saying to herself, she kept saying to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know what has gone on before, but I'm going towards Jesus. She pressed through the crowd. She pressed through the crowd of her doubts and her fears and she got her miracle because she kept saying to herself. And the, she kept saying to herself, men, that, that she listened to the report of Jesus And that meant she put the other reports behind the fence. She put the dog behind the fence. She, she, they were there. They were, they were facts. That is what had happened. But there's a difference between facts and truth. Abraham faced the facts, but he believed God. She faced the facts, but she believed God. She put the dog behind the fence. She put the, that dog of doubt behind the fence and fear and history. And she says, I'm listening to Jesus' report and I'm walking, walking towards that. Can anyone say amen? See, what I say to myself, you think to you, you say, well, what others say to me. You know, some of you have got offended or encouraged by what others have said to you. But I want you to know that more powerful than what others say to you is what you say to you. It's that voice that's going over and over and over in your own head. The stuff you say to you. My self-talk is usually something that I don't pay much attention to. It's that, it's on autopilot. But the Bible tells us that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12 verse two says, be transformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's possible to change your life by changing your mind. Is anyone glad today? Is anyone happy today that you are not stuck in the place where you are, that Jesus has given us the power and ability to change our life by changing our mind, that our lives can be utterly, powerfully, wonderfully transformed. 
got a little bit of a video clip I want to show you because this is real time, just happened. And I just want to, I just want to just give you a real time testimony of, of someone's life who's been powerfully impacted, in fact, transformed by the renewing of their mind. Can we show that video now, please? Uh, I'm Johnny Charlesworth. Um, I've been part of the Heart Church family for 18 months now. Um, and it's an absolute honour to serve on worship team. Um, I'm just going to share a bit of my story. Um, the, April this year, I fell ill. Um, and I was bed bound for four months uh, with what we now know is chronic fatigue. Um, I had phantom pain. Um, um, real um, fatigue that I couldn't sleep off and brain fog that was just a bit of a nightmare. Before I was a very uh, busy person, I'm an engineer, um, an entrepreneur, uh, playing football teams, playing the worship team, playing bands. Um, I do a lot of stuff and so from going from productivity 110% to absolutely nothing I can't even think, I can't even read. All I can do is sleep was mentally a very, very hard place to be in. Um, but praise God, I'm much better now, uh, thanks to a lot of prayer and um, a neuro-linguistic training program, which essentially um, equipped me with mental exercises that affected uh, my physical symptoms. And now um, I feel like a new person. Um, in short, um, it's, uh, this training course equips you with um, exercises. Um, although it's not a Christian course, um, that actually these exercises align with biblical principles. A good scriptural example is David and how he, um, he encourages his soul to praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul, rather than his thoughts being down in the pit. No, he said, come on, get out of the pit. Um, you know, come on, let's praise God. Let's set our minds on things above. Um, and through doing these mental exercises, um, the physical symptoms, the muscle pain, uh, the headaches, the chronic fatigue slowly subsided. Um, so amazing lesson is that um, your mental state has a massive impact on your physical state. So in short, I was able to think my way um, out of these physical symptoms. And a big lesson learned was um, that I actually have um, control of my thought processes. And, um, you know, Jesus came to give life and life in its fullness. And before, um, when I was stuck in the downward spiral of illness, which was ME, um, I'd feel the symptoms and I'd get more stress and then it'd just be this horrible mental cycle. Uh, but actually, with that downward spiral mentally, actually, um, I could have an upward spiral mentally by uh, renewing my thoughts, by setting my mind on things above. And um, it's amazing. I don't fully understand how it works, but um, what I do know is um, your mental state affects you physically. So set your mind on things above and um, that your body will follow suit. Come on.
Really appreciate Johnny sharing his story. It's very powerful. Johnny reminds us that uh, essentially uh, King David learned to put the dog behind the fence. He understood that, that there is a way of managing my thoughts so that my thoughts don't dominate and control my life. Uh, the letter to the Colossians, uh, uh, chapter three, verse two says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's what Johnny referred to. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Johnny understood the things that he was saying to himself were very important. I want to remind us that it's often more important what we say to ourselves than, what, than listening to ourselves. You know, we listen to ourselves a lot, but I, we need to speak to ourselves. You say, oh, well, you know what? All I do is I just, you know, I live, I live by my feelings. I, you know, I just do what I feel like. You know, my life is awesome. You know, said by nobody ever. Nobody just by living life by your feelings is going to live a great life. You know, even David, I mean, uh, David in the Psalm, Psalm 42, he, 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 uh, verse 11, he says, why my soul are you downcast? See, David's, David's not praying to God now. He's talking to himself. He's getting a bit annoyed with himself. He's saying, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Some of you need to give yourself a good talking to. Why are you downcast? Why? So you, soul, 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 hear the word of the Lord. You are blessed. You are loved by God. God has got a plan for your life. There is hope. There is a future. Put your hope in God. Don't sit there wallowing in your feelings. Speak to your soul. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. I've got to speak to me sometimes because left to myself, left to my feelings, I'm just going to be, oh, I can't be bothered. It's, it's like, you, you, but you are robbing yourself. You are robbing yourself. There's that account that Johnny refers to uh, in 1 Samuel 30, and David was greatly distressed. The King James Version, it says, for the people spake of stoning him because the, the soul of all the people were grieved and every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I want you to note something. We began the verse with David was greatly distressed. We ended the verse with, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. He took himself from great distress to encouragement. Sometimes you've got you to take yourself. You, when you're surrounded by people who want to stone you, you've got to take yourself from great distress to Encouragement to encourage yourself in God. Why? Why was David able to do that? Because he trained himself to do it. He'd already been someone who spoke spoke to himself, spoke to his soul. Didn't allow his feelings to dominate. Didn't allow his negative thinking to dominate. He chose 
to align himself with the Word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active. The Word of God is God's Word, but it's God's thoughts. I need to be thinking, if I'm gonna live the life that God wants me to live, I've gotta think God's thoughts. I know how I feel about me sometimes, but I've gotta live according to what God says about me. I'm not living according to what my mom said or what my dad said or what that teacher said or what that person said. I'm living my life according to what God says. So I have to remind myself, I need to keep saying to myself. I need to, I, you know, I've, got, I've, I've, I've had some paths in the cornfield that I've had to change route because this route, when I take this route, it leads me downward. But when I, when I use the Word of God, when I speak the Word of God, when I speak what God says about me, Joshua 1 verse 8 says, Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Some of you are believing to be prosperous and successful and you're killing yourself in the process because true wealth and prosperity, true success comes from God. Now, I think I've said it enough. I'm not saying that just by sitting down with your Bible is gonna make you wealthy and prosperous. It doesn't work like that. You gotta do something. You know, you gotta do something with what you know, but, but it's, it's from the place that you're doing it. You've got to tell your mind what it should be thinking. You've got to take your self-talk off autopilot and start saying yourself, saying to yourself some things. The Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit can renew, re-educate and redirect your mind. The Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit can renew, re-educate and redirect your mind. But you have to engage with the Word of God. No one can do this for you. If you want to change. First thing I want to say to you is you need to read the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God. You, the reason David was able to encourage himself in such dire circumstances was because he got a resource within him. Some of you, you stock up your cupboards with food. You know what it is to resource yourself with food or with toiletries, but you never think about resourcing yourself emotionally or resourcing yourself spiritually. You need to stock up your cupboards so that when tough times hit, you're not knocked out because you've got some stuff you can turn to. Meditate on the Word. To, to meditate just simply means to to. Like a cow chews the cud, just turn it over. Just turn it over. It's allowing your mind to turn some stuff over. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one and that that's turning that stuff over that's that's what you call meditating let me put it let me put it this way is you meditate all the time but it's called worry 
it's all, all worry is, is meditating on self-destructive stuff. Turning it over and over and over in your mind. What if? What if that? What if that happens? What if they say that? What if they do? And you do, and oh, and oh God. And, and that worry, that meditating on that stuff takes you on the downward spiral. But if you can go on a downward spiral, then you can go on an upward spiral by meditating on the right things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, but you feel rubbish. You feel rubbish. What, what have you ever done with your life? What are you ever going to do? You failed your exams. What can you possibly do? You're rubbish. Everyone knows you're rubbish. But I can do all things. I'm walking another path. I'm walking another. I know that path. I've walked that path long enough. I'm walking another path. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, you're pathetic. What makes you believe you can do something like that? The devil is a liar. I'm putting those thoughts behind the fence. Put the dog behind the fence. The devil is a liar. I can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can. I can do all things. And suddenly I'm on an upward spiral. God is lifting me out of my pit of despair because I'm meditating on the right thing. I need to read the Word. I need to meditate on the Word. I think we've got, you can, you can put it up, Tony. We need to memorize the Word. You know, we need to just have some stuff. Not just random scriptures. I mean, it's, it's great to memorize the Word, but you need some stuff. You need to have some stuff learned on your heart that you can pull out when necessary. When that stuff comes and attacks you. Because I want you to know something. Because this is the reality. This is the reality. We put the dog behind the fence. We didn't kill the dog. The dog's still there. The dog gets out from time to time. But we need to put the dog back. Because I'm not living in that way. There's some stuff that was written on the hard drive of my life as a little boy that, 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 that is there. You know, the scars are there. But those scars don't control my life. They, I put that stuff, no, I am not that. I am not that, but I am a new creation. I am a brand new man. The old things have passed away. The new things have come. I'm not Him. I'm not Him. I'm not any longer that young man sat on the back stairs at the elbow hall praying that God would take it away. I'm not that guy saying, I can't do it, I can't do it. Because I got up from those stairs and I began to start saying to myself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I stand here today because God has taught me to say, I can, I can. The world tried to say, I can't. The world tried to say, I wouldn't. But in Jesus' name, I can, I can. Turn to someone and say, I can. In Jesus' name, I can. In Jesus' name.
come to the end of this message. We hope you've been both challenged and inspired. To stay up to date with everything going on in our church, go to heartchurch.co.uk.